in today's episode, it went better than what I could have actually planned trying to do myself. You know, we were going to talk about personal growth and and coaching, self-awareness, and we talked about those things, but what really struck a chord with me is the issue that I deal with in anxiety and some of the traits and tools and things that we talked about on how to liberate myself from that, which was based out of a wrong identity of me not being a son, but a sinner. And out of that false identity and not learning how God sees me will help shift the anxiety that I felt in my life. I didn't plan that. That just came out in the podcast. And so it was very beneficial to me. And if you struggle with anxiety, or if you struggle with your view on how God views you, you're not going to want to miss this episode. Today on The Whole Person Mindset, we have Jeremy Kubicek. He's an outlier in the leadership world. He is an entrepreneur, corporate thought leader, as well as audacious encourager to leaders around the world. He is a creative producer of a variety of leadership content with a global program that he works with called Giant Worldwide that he helped create. He's an author. He has written multiple books, Five Voices, Five Gears. He's authored in 2011 in the national best-selling market for Your Leadership Come Alive. His work is known as being powerful, sticky, scalable, and sustainable. He and his business partner released their new book, 100X Leader, in 2019. He is the executive chairman of Giant. Jeremy, welcome to the show. And good to be here. Thank you. You doing well today? I'm doing great, man. Fired up. It's a nice day. It's, uh, you know, it's almost the weekend. All those things. I'm good. You guys have a good Thanksgiving? Great. Great Thanksgiving. Yeah, I mean, the weather can't be better. This is like, are we in San Diego or what? No, right. Yeah, so for those of you who don't know, Oklahoma is very bipolar when it comes to weather. And we both live. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> I've never heard that term, but that's actually very a very good definition. It is. I remember, I don't know how long you've lived here, but I remember in one day, okay, this was a few years ago, we had snow, 60 degree weather, tornado, earthquake, and flood watch. Like in one day, it was, nice. <laughs> it was the weirdest thing ever. Yeah, it keeps, keeps us on our toes. Right. Well, Jeremy, I wanted to bring you on to the podcast today because, I mean, like, like I mentioned in, in your bio, you are the co-founder of Giant Worldwide, which is a coaching program, leadership. You, you've coached many, many CEOs, many corporations, well-known, and you have, you've met with a lot of successful people. You've met with a lot of companies and organizations and coached a lot of people through the process of personal growth, change, business change, adaptation, and everything like that. And one of the things that always interests me, um, especially from someone's perspective like yourself, what are some of the characteristics, the mindsets, the habits that makes a person more successful in their ability to adapt and to change? 
Mm-hmm. Uh, well, yeah, that's a great question. And I, I'll give you a couple of things that just popped in the uh, front of my mind. The best leaders I've ever been around, and I'm working I, uh, with a, a few right now in, in some really interesting positions in the, in the world. Um, they're secure, they're confident, and they're humble. Mm. And it's an interesting, uh, insecurity breeds every type of drama. Uh, insecurity produces arrogance instead of confidence. You know, you can be uh, overconfident and underconfident. You can be over secure and under secure, right? And all of that leads to pride. And I, I, I have this mass, uh, I have a talk on this concept of it's not about good versus evil in the world. It's about pride versus humility. And if you want to find all issues, it's pride. Uh, ultimately, pride was the original sin. And if you want to get into that theologically, but the idea of uh, insecurity and, and having someone move from insecure to secure is its own journey in self-awareness. So as you're saying, you know, security. Secure, confident, humble. Confident, yeah, confident. I just, I, I was writing shorthand and then I couldn't read what I wrote. <laughs> um, confident, because what I wrote was comfortable instead of confident. <laughs> Hold on here. Confident. Yeah. Okay. And then humble. And then you talked about, you know, you can be under or over. And, you know, maybe this is a, a new tool coming out here that's getting ready to be birthed, but it's kind of like the Goldilocks paradox is, you know, it's too hot, it's too cold. You just find it just right. So how do you, it, how do you become self-aware in this scenario? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How, how do you figure out where you're at and, and accurately measure yourself? So we have a tool called Know Yourself, Lead Yourself, and uh, it's an interesting tool, but you, uh, I like to mash up the tools. And at Giant, for those of you who don't know, um, we've taken uh, concepts that are very complicated concepts, and we make them simple enough for a 13-year-old to get it. And it has to be uh, simple, it has scalable, and sustainable, but it needs to be visual. And then I like to take our tools, we have 70 of them, and I like to mash them up. So what I mean is um, take two tools and they have, they have a, a really interesting learning. So know yourself, lead yourself, which I'll explain with the sport challenge matrix. So the idea is if you want to grow as an individual, then you have to uh, support yourself and challenge yourself. If you support with no challenge, you protect yourself. You're enabling yourself. It's like, uh, you know, you can have one more. You, you worked out two weeks ago. Like that's support with no challenge. Yeah. Uh, the other side challenge without support is you idiot. Why do you do this? You always, and you actually dominate yourself because you bring this challenge without appropriate support. So here's where I'm, where I'm going with this is if you've learned how to support yourself and challenge yourself, then you liberate yourself. You give grace and truth, the chance to breathe in your life and a chance to be over you. So if grace and truth kind of are, are there support and challenge, then you can know yourself more effectively. Mm. So I've been going through a journey of finding out my own tendencies and knowing what my tendencies are and what my patterns are. But I, I kind of am a detective on myself from a self-awareness side, but I do it out of liberation, not out of domination. 
So if I'm a dominator, I'm like, God, you idiot, you always do this. Stop it. Then that's going to be at calling myself out, not calling myself up. So for me, I'm learning to call myself up by going. So I, I found I have 29 tendencies. I overshare. I exaggerate. Historically, these are tendencies of mine. Uh, so I know wh what I do. I know when I do it and why I do it. And I know what it looks like, what my action is. And then I go to work on changing the action, changing the pattern. And when that takes place, then I'm, people want to be around me or I'm more secure and I'm more confident and I'm more humble because I'm liberating myself, not dominating myself. Does that make sense? It does. You know, one of the things that I've talked about on this podcast is learning how to love yourself through the process of change. And as we're talking about this, you know, that statement, while it's good to the ears, it's also very empty because there's no practical application. But what you just said is literally not only know yourself to lead yourself, but that's the crux of learning how to love yourself through the process of change by giving yourself the support and the challenge. You know, you're not right. under supportive, over supportive, over dominant, under dominant. And yeah, so let's play, let's play with you. You ready? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So let's go. Um, let's be, let's, I know you're secure and confident and humble. So you're not afraid on your own podcast right. to share. What's a tendency that you have? Um, I am just one. much addicted. Like, I think one of the things that I have a tendency to have, be, have anxiety. Okay. So, and by the way, these tendencies are good and bad. Like I have a tendency to find the best in people. And I can see what they can't see in themselves. That's a positive uh, on the negative side. But if I'm liberating myself, I'm not really worried about um, showing or because I want to get better. So I'm not, I don't see it as weakness. I see the strength. So in your case, uh, anxiety, um, uh, when does it happen and why does it happen with you? Uh, great question. I'm still in discovery, but to my best of my knowledge, it more so happens towards the evening or it happens when there's something exciting getting ready to, to take place in my life. And whether it's like a holiday or a trip or, or, or that. And then the other location would be is when I feel like I have a lot to do. And even while I'm being productive, I feel like it's never enough. And that causes this anxiety. Those are the three main how does it show up then in, in your, your action? Like what, what is the act? How does it show up, manifest itself? My heart will race. I will okay. feel nauseous and overwhelmed. And the only way to feel better is to go lay down in a dark room with a fan blowing on me and like deep breathing. Yeah. <laughs> what are the consequences of this? So we go from tendency to pattern to action. What are the consequences of this anxiety in your life, what's the consequence? The consequence of it is it's completely disruptive. It, it takes me away from being present with my family. It, it takes me away from traveling sometimes. It takes me away from being able to show up. And it takes me away from just feeling good. So then what's the reality, the end result what, what reality is this in your life, this tendency manifests all the way through what, how does it affect your reality, your everyday? 
um, I, I would say that going back to what I just said is it doesn't allow me to be present. It, yeah. it takes things that I'm hopeful for to, to go do or excited for, and it makes it difficult for me to operate in. It yeah. doesn't happen all the time, but it just, it shows up randomly. Sometimes it'll be very consistent. Sometimes I won't face it for a while. Um, and it makes me so, feel sick. So um, how many tendencies do you think that you have? Now, that, that's just one. How many more do you think there are? God. 10, 15, 20? Wait, or I, well, let's say 50 to 100. So, uh, like, I'm trying <laughs> both known and unknown. So people all the time go, man, isn't that heavy? Doesn't that feel pressure? I'm like, if I'm liberating myself, no, because I'm, I'm, I'm looking for it to go. Um, would you like this out of your life? Would you like anxiety out of your life? Yeah, um, I will. Right. Right. So is that a bad thing? So you can ignore it and it's still in your life, right? Mm-hmm. You can act like it's not there and it's still there. So what happens then for anyone listening, it's like, no, you find these tendencies. Now, in, in from my perspective, I go, well, that's really a role, a partnership with the Holy Spirit, where the Holy Spirit is actually calling you up, not calling you out. But a lot of people's view of God is that he's like the golden smiter. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, boom, and look at that, and look at that. Or they're afraid to bring it up because they don't want judgment from a spouse or judgment from a friend or judgment because they're, they're dominating themselves because they see it as weakness and weakness. Right. So what I do is I actually run towards these things and I'm like, Oh my goodness, I overshare, don't I? Huh? And everyone's like, yep, you do. Yep. Sometimes you talk way too much. So it's the process of maturity. If you're secure and you're confident and you're humble, you'll allow things to work on you. You'll allow people to work on you. You'll allow yourself to work on you. And that's this, this whole person mindset. I mean, this is like the, the, the holistic view of like, hey, I'm going to become more and more is sanctified or what of these. It's, it's, it's not perfect but I'm allowing the Holy Spirit, I'm allowing other things to help me see myself and what's it like to be on the other side of myself and see in a mirror and go, oh my goodness, I have broccoli in my teeth. How long has it been there? 25 years. Oh my goodness. And you get your own broccoli out of your own teeth. That is the process of self-awareness. And when people see you get your broccoli out of your teeth, your influence goes up because they see you working on yourself and you're improving. Not because you're just, um, you know, uh, trying to be uh, humanistic, but it's because you want to not have anything own you, rule you, have authority. Does that make sense? No, totally. Something that you you mentioned too in this is that I think plays a, a very large contributing factor of the stuckness of one in in these patterns and habits is this view of God where he's the almighty smiter. And like, I, I am an ordained minister and I struggle with that at times. And, and that's something that I even know that God's not a, I'm not just going to smite you, but somewhere as a little kid, even though that was never preached to me, whether that's just through relationship of getting in trouble and not feeling good enough 
somehow subconsciously became a part of my personal belief and then how I believed God viewed me because it's how I viewed myself. That's right. So, no, that's right. Go ahead. Yeah. So you take then take that. Let's work on that for a minute. And so what, what I do and what I train people to do in giant is to uh, learn how to coach people. I'm, I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a, um, a doctor in any of those, but I'm a, uh, I'm an amateur, but I use tools to help liberate people by helping them see themselves. And then I create processes through these simple visual tools that work and people start seeing things. So let's take anxiety. So if I was coaching you, we would take this anxiety. I'm like, Hey, guess what? Good news. Uh, it's going to get better. Bad news. You're always going to have this tendency the rest of your life. And that's okay. So here's what I want everyone to understand. The tendencies never change. I have a tendency to exaggerate or overshare. I will always have that tendency in my personality to do that. But that doesn't mean I have to do it. So we take the tendency and go, it is what it is. Now let's move over to the pattern of when does it happen and why does it happen? And now I'm gonna give you some actions. I'm gonna give you some ideas and tips that could help you. And maybe they're like hacks and triggers that could keep you from that. And so all of a sudden now you start working on that tendency to start changing a pattern so that you have a different action. And if that takes place, your consequence may show up different. You may have different ramifications and maybe more positive. So are we cool if I do this yeah, on let's your podcast? Do it. <laughs> no, I'm so, so we'll start with the deep one and you brought it up since you brought it up uh, on identity. And if I'm talking to someone, I'm finding out where from a faith aspect, how deep can I go? Where can I go? And so forth. And you already shared that. So um, I'm going to ask you a simple question. Yeah. Based on that, are you, um, give me one answer. First thing that popped in mind, are you a sinner? Are you a saint? Or are you a son? Sinner. That would, I like that, that. I mean, I know the answer is the son. That's the right answer. But my internal dialogue says you're the sinner. Yeah. So that's an identity issue, which we talked about already. But to go that journey from sinner to son, to go, well, so God right now, is he viewing you as a sinner? No. Is he, he viewing you as a saint? Is he viewing you as a son? So he has a different view of you than you have of yourself. Right. And so I, what would I have to have you of myself on how I believe God views me. Yes. So what would have to happen for you to have his view of you? Does that make sense? Yeah. I, not, not to make it a overly simplistic, cheesy answer, but just to know him more. Okay. Yeah. And, or to know how he sees you, right? Know how he sees the world, know how he views people. I did something for about four years. I read nothing but Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John over and over and over again. But I looked at it through a different lens. I, I would read it one time, God's view of Jesus. And I would skim all of the gospels through that. And Jesus' view of God. And then I would circle back through um, Jesus' view of um, the world. Jesus' view of his disciples. And I'd go back through it. Jesus' view of the Pharisees. And Jesus' view of the devil and the demons. And it like gave me this context four years of that's all I did. And it was just, it was powerful. Cause I'm like, Oh my goodness. I see things differently. Yeah. 
Uh, my wife's in Israel right now. She's on a tour. She got stuck over there with the current, you know, the virus. She's like the last flight in. And she's like, it's amazing. I have a tour guide. It's her and a friend with a tour guide. It was supposed to be like 400 people. And it's just two of them. And she said it gave her an entirely new perspective because she's walking. You know, this morning she drank from Jacob's well. Wow. Uh, and, and she it gave her a whole new perspective of that story. So because she's experiencing it, what would it happen if you could actually see yourself from God's point of view? So the question would be this, God, would you show me what, how you see me? Would you let me see myself the way that you see me? And the freedom and liberation, if you can actually wait in that and sit in that, and all of a sudden, you start calling yourself up because you realize, Evan, how much you've been calling yourself out. And by calling yourself out, it actually is directly tied to anxiety. But by calling yourself up and getting into that place of freedom and support and challenge. And I mean, I, I, um, I'm a bloke. I'm a guy. I'm just a guy. It's like everyone else and, and you know, listening in. And I'm like... Um, God, screw up in my past it would be god why i you know and it's that center mentality the smiter and all that stuff and now i've gotten to the point of like oh yeah i'm your son i have kids i have three kids when i view my kids am i waiting for them to screw up to point at them no uh what do i want from them oh it's okay i tell my kids all the time hey you guys are gonna screw up a lot in life a lot I just want you to own it when you do and then call yourself up. Don't call yourself out. And there's a big difference in that. So let me pause. I'm, I'm preaching now because I'm on the podcast here, but uh, thoughts from it. You know, you, you brought your kids up and I, and I'm thinking about my kids and, and my parenting. And so not only this view of myself, have I perpetuated in this is how God views me. And, and while I don't obviously follow my kids around looking for something that they're doing wrong, I'm very quick to correct. I'm very quick to, I don't want to say lay the hammer down, um, but I am very quick to correct. And I'm afraid that I'm pushing that on my kids. Well, because it directly is tied to your view of the father, potentially, right? And so it, it's all interrelated. And by the way, I'm not saying uh, that, you know, for those who are going to send me a text, go, you don't believe that you're a sinner? I'm like, well, uh, no, I don't. And I, I know I have sinned, and I know I'm sinner saved by grace is the Baptist answer uh, to that, right? And I grew up Baptist, so I get that. But I've gotten to the point where I know God's view of me is like, I dealt with that sin issue. So I don't manage sin. I actually yield as a son. And that identity shift was a massive deal because I realized God is in me. He's inhabiting me. Therefore, we have a dialogue and I'm a son to him. And so I'm, I act like a son. And here's what I guess I'm going, I act like I belong. And when I act like I belong, then the, some of the sin stuff doesn't stick. It slides off of me. It doesn't mean I don't have to go shower sometimes because I've walked 
but it doesn't stick because I'm not focused on that. Yeah. I'm focused as a son. Um, it'd be like your kids coming to you and going, Oh, I'm a dad. No, I did this. Oh, please don't. You know? And you're like, what are you talking about? Climb up here. Come here. I love you. So. Yeah. No, that makes sense. You know, one of the things that I've really sought after that kind of goes along with this in my life, like what, outside of, you know, family and relationship with God and stuff like that, I guess a pillar or a staple of my life that I just so strongly desire is peace. And, you know, peace isn't there when anxiety is. And I'm in the process of, you know, there's... There's circumstantial peace where everything's going good in your life. So it's easy to have peace. That's not real peace. Like real peace is in spite of circumstances. And so, you know, I'm learning to, to live in real peace and, and, and working through that where I'm not struggling with anxiety. And, you know, it's really cool because, you know, I, I talk about faith, family, finances, friendship, fitness, and fun. And within Giant, we have something very similar called the peace index, which I don't verbatim have all those memorized yet. And so feel free to share them, but they're very similar to, to my six F's. Yeah. So uh, it's purpose. There's, there's five P's purpose, people, place, personal health and provision. And it's just a, it's an indicator. It's a snapshot in time of today. So how good do you feel about your purpose in life? Your calling, what you're doing, one through a hundred, hundred being the highest. People would be the people in your life. How good do you feel about those in your inner circle, your family, your team, your top 20 relationships? How good do you feel about those one through a hundred? Place is where you live. It's the, the, the town, the, the, or sorry, the house, the neighborhood, the town, uh, your office, all those things. And then you get into personal health, which is a combination of holistically of physical, mental, spiritual, emotional, uh, all, all combined. And then provision is how good do you feel about your earnings, what you're earning, uh, your money that you're making, uh, you know, the provision that you, that you need to live. So you can always have one. And what it is, it's a snapshot tomorrow. My number is going to be different than the next day and the next day and the next day. So, um, over time you might get where you smooth it out. That number becomes consistent. And then you have one circle that's off. You know, that phrase, you're only as good as your weakest kid. <laughs> you know, you're only as good as, as, the, as, as the worst kid. And so uh, that's a factor on people. Or maybe you've got an issue with a neighbor, some place, or you're frustrated with your earnings. So one of them is going to be low. And if you know what one is lowest, then you can work off of it. But one of them is going to be your driver. So purpose is the driver. If it's off, everything else is off. So like, which one drives you the most? Is it people? Is it, is it purpose? Uh, and so those are, those are things that um, it's just a snapshot in time. Uh, but what I want to do is I want to I give you two other triggers to go back to the anxiety piece because you go, uh, you have peace, you have anxiety, you have peace, right? It's the, those are counter to one another. And if you're wanting more peace, Here's a couple are very practical. The, the, the identity piece of, of, that I shared with you, that's like a, 
deep surgery. That's over time. It's going to take a while because you have ingrained habits to think about yourself and your view of God that actually probably needs to be reviewed. And by the way, when I say that about you, Evan, I mean, every one of us needs to review that, especially if you've grown up in a heavily religious culture. Uh, the more religion, the more uh, smiting happens in a lot of cases. It's really interesting. Um, so getting to the place of freedom there and identity is one thing, but let's get really, really practical. I've got two ideas for you that could be life hacks. Uh, one is your daily charge in the morning. And one is at 5.30 called the examine. And these are things that I do that are game changers for me. And I'm not consistent by nature. That's not a tendency of mine to be very consistent because I'm a spontaneous guy. Um, but I do these every morning. My morning routine is I do a call-up session. Usually it's when I'm getting up. Uh, if I've worked out or if I haven't, it doesn't matter. I still do it the same way. And I, I look in the mirror. It's not cheesy. I just call myself up. I'm like, all right, Jeremy, you're a liberator. You're a freedom fighter. And I give language to myself. It's almost like my own pep talk without it being cheesy. And I'm just like, remember what you're doing today. And I go through kind of my general bit. I'm, then when I turn on the shower, uh, I think through, I pray for people of peace. Like, who am I supposed to help today, God? Who, who do you want me to encourage? And I call myself up into the position of a son. You're a son of the most high God. Act like it act like you belong. It's not always the same language. It's really not even about the, what I say. It's, it's the internally, like I'm evangelizing myself every single day. I'm calling myself up every single day. I'm reminding myself it's the daily charge. So I'm ready to go. Well, I do that. Well, that's what I used to do. And then I would get off and I would have like a week, uh, like a tough week. And then I would, so uh, here's what I've done. I've added that in the morning and then at 5.30 at night or in the evening, it's called the examine. And this is a Jesuit routine and I've modified it. There's a deeper level than this, but this is the simple one. Um, I do three things. I go back and through my day and I've, I make a list in my mind. Usually I'm driving. So I do this. I don't even write it down. I just do it. And I go, you know, that was a great meeting with Evan. Thank you for that. Or that was a great time with Hunter today. Or thank you, God, for dot, dot, dot. And there's three, four, five things. Sometimes when I'm finished, I'll text someone, thanks for the day. That was great, you know. But I'm really grateful. So that gets me into grateful. Then I go back through my calendar and I go, all right, um, God, is there anything in me today that was off? Was there any, like, show me, is there anything... I was like, yeah, there's just something with this friend. Why was I angry? And I start with me. So far as it depends on me, not looking at them. I look at me first. Is there anything that I was off or is there anything they were off? And sometimes it's like, I need to have a conversation with them and, you know, and, and, and kind of share, or I look and go, yeah, that was, there's something there. It's insecurity. And I go, or some, that's where a lot of my tendencies came up. I have a tendency log, 29 they come from this little examine. Like, yeah, you have a tendency to do that. Let's solve it. Then the last one is I look at the calendar for tomorrow and I pray for my day for, I pray for tomorrow in the afternoon. So what happens then is I have been grateful. 
I've reviewed, search me, oh God, know my heart, see if there's any anxious thought in me. Let's deal with it today. And what that does is it puts to bed a lot of anxiety because I found that my anxiety in the past would stack on each other. It would build up over three, four or five days, which that would then affect my quiet time or my morning routine. So now because I have a front pillar and a back pillar, I have a front and a back. I'm like, I call myself up. So at 5.30, I'm feeling pretty good because if there was any issues, I dealt with it that day. So my evening is a lot better. I'm more at peace with my wife. Uh, we're empty nesters. So it's just her and I. And I'm more at peace with her. Then my mornings are better because I'm not bringing up yesterday's stuff in a new day. Because I believe God is present future. Right. And it's short accounts. Then the past just doesn't stick as much anymore. So by having that, it's like a little trigger. It's like a life hack. Daily charge, afternoon, evening examine. If you do that, that could be something you might want to try on and try it a while and see if your anxiety starts to maybe go down a little bit because it's not giving the chance to accumulate. Mm. Wow. That makes sense? Yeah, no, it makes total sense. I'm processing. <laughs> you're, you're processing I'm on buffering. your own podcast. We had no plan. <laughs> How does this feel to you? Like when you, what, what, uh, what I'm sharing, what kind of like, what feels alive and good? And is there any like cynicism that's creeping up of like, this is cheesy. That's not going to work. Right. Um, no cynicism. The, The naysayer in me is like, yeah, will you actually be consistent in doing this? Like, cause I also like, I'll, you know, I'll start well. But then the consistency yeah. part is also something that, you know. So I put it on my calendar at 5.30. I put examine. It's on my calendar every day. I don't hit it every day. I do it probably five, four to five days a week. I'll do it. Uh, but it's always on there. So then it pings. My alarm goes off. And I'm like, oh, yeah, examine time. And, you know, some days I don't. But most days I do. So that's something that you can do where it's a, a life hack. In the morning routine, I don't set anything. I just, it's kind of like, I don't do it every day either. Probably four or five days a week where I do a daily charge or a call-up session. So those are just a couple of things that you can, you don't have to be religious about it or, or yeah. rigorous about it. It's just simply a, it's a, it's a hack. You know, as we're talking about it, you know, not only doing that, but then also um, I really liked it was in a video that you showed your tendency log and, I, and I'm probably going to create one similar to yours. Um, We're about to add that to the giant operating system. So you can okay. actually have it in there. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, but the other thing too, is just really allowing God to search my heart on how he sees me. Like, like all of this is accumulative. You know, I, it, like, like a good soup, you know, I could pick one ingredient and go with it, but it won't be as good as just, and so when I say I'm soaking it all in, I'm, I'm contemplating, like I'm, I'm stewing is, is what I'm doing and, and seeing how this, this is a good process. Do we have, are we, are we okay? Yeah, we time? Can I share yeah. one more yeah. story here? Um, so here's the, here's a process that took me on my journey 
And it was a metaphor that I created for myself, but it was a picture of God because I will tell you, I similarly grew up with a lot of anxiety and um, I've been dealing with it. Um, I, I always say, and this is not original. I've heard this. I don't know who, who I heard it from, so it was, whether it's anonymous, but worry is a prayer of disbelief. Mm. And it was a, the idea of, for me was picturing myself in as a little kid in a grocery store. This is going to sound funny. This massive grocery store with God pushing the cart. And I'm like, got my hand on his like belt loop or I'm walking and I'm a little kid. And there's food everywhere. There's things everywhere. And another little kid is walking next to me. And I basically go, yeah, I'm just kind of really worried. Like, there's just, I don't know. And I'm like bemoaning while I've got a hand on the belt loop of God. And he can put anything in the basket at any time because it's all his. And it was like this um, anxiety. This thing, I, don't, I don't know if that works at all for anyone, but what happened with me was like, I'm gossiping about my dad in front of him, where if like, what if my child did that, if my kid was in a store with me and I've, I've got money, I've got food, I've got, what do you need in the basket? And my son looks to another son and goes, yeah, I just don't think we're going to make it. Or I just don't know if dot, 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 in spreading worry. I would have stopped and son, hey, look at me. What? What are you talking about? That makes no sense. Like, what's happening? But it's that relationship. It's like the relationship between God and the, or the, and the little boy in this narrative, in this story. Well, the son doesn't know who he is. And like, if I know who, that I'm a son of the most high God, and I walk in that and step into it, and act like I belong, then I can step boldly with confidence because I have superpowers. Yeah. And I think what's happening is like, here's what I'd say to anyone listening to this. If you struggle with the same thing that I struggle with Evan on, it's like, no, no, no. Stepping into our super, superpowers means that we get activated. If we're activated sons versus, um, uh, downcast sinners that's not the gospel downcast sinners <laughs> doesn't work you want to read romans you want to read hebrews you want to read any of the you know, the freedom and the liberation and you know it's it, the other little story in this would be look at the difference between the the disciples in matthew mark luke and john Man. versus acts 3 acts 2 acts 3 acts 4 what happened to them they were cowering and afraid because, um, you know, they didn't want to be found out that they were with Jesus. And then a few chapters later, they're like freedom fighters. They're the Avengers. And you know what happened is Jesus told them, guys, it's going to be great for you that I leave because when I leave, I'm coming inside of you. And when I come inside of you, we're going to do way more than I could ever do when I was with you. Well, what we see in Acts is basically the way it's meant to be. But over time, the cares of the world, the delight and riches, the desires for other things, enter in, choke the truth, and prove men unfruitful, men and women unfruitful, and unfruitfulness. And so we have to then fight 
the way we fight to get activated is we have to remember who we are. I'm a son of the most high God. Don't mess with me. Like I've got superpowers. I'm activated. I'm free. And that type of living is so much more fun than being under this blanket of worry and fear and, and sin that's all been dealt with. Yeah. Sin's been dealt with. I'm preaching. No, no, you're (laughs) fine. Like, well, and you know, I think too, is just, I, I had an aha moment right now. I think, I think, I think it's, I think I, I, golly, I think I can. I think I can. I think I just had my mind blow. Okay. Because what it comes down to is not just, hey, these things happen and my identity is rocked, but it comes down to a sin issue. Like I, it's identifying myself as unworthy and as a sinner. And you know, the wages of sin is death and anxiety feels like you're dying. And when you view yourself as that, as as a sinner, then the spirit of sin, that, that crippling effect is easier to take root. And it just, and so, you know, at a high level, sorry, at, at an overview, when I first mentioned this, it was, you know, performance-based and not just in work, but, you know, excitement about things coming up and then, you know, viewing myself. But then as we kept going deeper and deeper and deeper, it just became more related to sin. And I'm just, I'm talking out loud, discovering things right now. So if I sound like I'm rambling, it's because I am. <laughs> well, think about this. The enemy's job is to steal, kill, and destroy. Right. Well, um, what would he want to put on you? I want you to stay a sinner. I want you to keep thinking because I don't want you to activate to be a son. Because when you activate to be a son, you're a true enemy. But when you're a sinner in his mind and you just keep wallowing in that, then he has won. And by the way, uh, do you guess who's the most anxious person in the entire cosmos? Satan. Yeah. He lives in anxiety. Oh, that's, he has to never know, thought he about has that. to know. I've never thought about that. That is so <laughs> smart. Like it's true. It's true. He knows he loses horribly. <laughs> I've never, so, never had that thought. So we step in to, oh my goodness, throw this cloak of doubt and sin and shame and all that stuff over because it's already been dealt with. And then you begin to walk in it. And then those little claws that he has to try to pull you back in it. It's just like, yeah. And it's like, nope, nope. It slips off. So you then aren't controlled by those things and you become fully alive, fully activated, fully free. And then there's peace of mind and the peace of mind comes in your identity. It starts in your identity. I'm a son of the most high God. Will my father take care of me? Of course he will. Are now there's other things. Am I trying to do something to prove myself? So I'm overextended. 
financially because I bought a Porsche and because I'm trying to show that I'm something I'm not, well, that's insecurity. Insecurity create an appearance of confidence, which is overconfidence, <laughs> which is all pride-based. And your anxiety is tied because you have a Porsche in your driveway. I'm not saying it is, but I'm saying that's an example of like, so. Okay. This is so funny, Jeremy. This week or over the weekend. You a Porsche. No. <laughs> no, 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 no. I had a dream that I bought a Tesla. Cause it's one, it's, a, it's, a, I, I want a Tesla. I really do. But in the dream, I had so much anxiety because it was so expensive and we could barely make the payment on it. Like, I'm not kidding. Yeah. And, and yeah. so when I, when I woke up, I told my wife, Oh, that's just a funny dream. Hear me now. Whoever's listening, the analogy you just gave was pre-God ordained to the point that God already gave me a dream about exactly what you said. Hmm. I'm just saying. There you go. So the secure and confident and humble person um, has a secure relationship with their father. They're confident in who they are. They walk in humility because they're not trying to prove themselves. And they say it like this, I have nothing to prove. I have nothing to lose. I have nothing to hide. When you have nothing to prove, nothing to lose, and nothing to hide, you're at peace. It's peace. Peace that surpasses all understanding because I know who I am. You know, Jesus was like, they're like, hey, where are we going to stay tonight? He's like, hey, I have no clue. My wife's been walking around the Sea of Galilee this week. And she's like, it is unbelievable. I'm like, when he says there's no, he doesn't know where he's living tonight. Yeah, we're going to we'll sleep somewhere. I don't know. Talk about a secure, confident, and humble. Jesus is the epitome of secure, the epitome of confident, and the epitome of humility. Because humility is power. I only do what the Father tells me to do. Mm. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. He'll lift you up in due time. So secure and confident and humble people, that's who Jesus was. It's a much better way to live but it's all rooted in knowing who you are. It's awesome. I am so looking forward to a book that you're going to write on spiritual stuff outside of just leadership stuff, because dude, you got gold in you, man. Oh, that's so good. Let me ask you this. What, when you, Think of peace for yourself. What brings you peace? Would you say it's those three things, learning how to be confident, secure, secure and confident? Yeah, I mean, it, it ultimately is, um, it's this, like the, the battle is real. I have the same type of, I have different kind of battles, different tendencies. And I, um, but it's the process and the journey. It's like, and it's a daily thing, right? So what brings me peace is intimacy, with the Lord first, with my wife and with my business partners. I've found I'm at the most peace when I'm, when I say intimacy, I don't mean that in a weird way. I mean like intimacy, like I'm connected. Yeah. 
I feel, I feel known and I feel connected and I feel in right relationship with God, my wife, and my business partners. And when that takes place, there's a lot of peace. And when I'm, when I'm at peace, I'm really good. When I'm not at peace, man, I can create drama. So um, that's how I view it. Gotcha. Well, Jeremy, where can people find more out about you? Yeah, so a couple of ways. Um, if you wanted to go take a look at what we do, just go to giantworldwide.com. It's pretty simple. We certify people and we, we become a partner with them and help them coach people and consult people. And we try to make it um, a very affordable and a very simple process. And we're constantly getting better. Uh, we use technology. It's a lot of neat things. If you want to look at my site, it's jeremykubicek.com. It's hard to spell. J-E-R-E-M-I-E-K-U-B-I-C-E-K. I need it. My parents didn't help me out on the URL. jeremykubicek.com. And uh, that gives you some background as far as uh, me as a speaker, some of my content and so forth. And I, I'm constantly writing and creating and working on a slew of things right now. But I actually... Your words to me, Evan, were very profound. And there's some things I'm, I'm working on uh, that that's where I'm heading in that, in that regard. Well, good, man, because it's, it's there. So, well, Jeremy, thank you so much for coming on today. I hope you have a great day. Thank you, brother. Take care.